Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. We, uh, we say that because we don't want to delay any time releasing faith for that to happen. If you're hearing and receiving the Word of God, that should be happening, and it does, and it is. Changes happen on the inside that affect everything in your life, the way you see things, the way you hear things, the way you act and, and respond, and thank God it is the way of victory. The faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world, so if it's in the world, you can beat it. You can overcome it with your faith in God. Amen. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the anointing, asking for utterance, asking for guidance, direction, help, answers for now. And thank you for being so gracious to us, so good to us, to give it to us. And we purpose to be not hearers only, not forgetful hearers, but to be doers, those that remember it and put it into practice and we thank you for watching over that word and performing it in our lives to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, please, in the uh, third chapter of Hebrews again. We've been on this series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. And he said in Hebrews 3, 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Verse 12, he said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's warning us, don't let happen to you what happened to them. What was a big part of what they did? They hardened their hearts. They wouldn't listen. They weren't teachable. They weren't correctable. And they were unwilling to repent and change. He goes on to say uh, again, Verse 13, exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest, it, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. This life we're living, this race that we're running, this course we have. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, and you notice what he said. We're made partakers if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Uh, it's not just what you did for a couple of days. Or uh, we've been talking about this. It's not just if you made a mistake. Well, that's the end of it. No, it's what you do after that. It's what you do ultimately. It's what you do at the end. At last, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly not God's best 
but it is the mercy of God that there's a number of people who absolutely ran from God, did their own thing, wasted their life, and then, you know, they're dying almost their last breath and ask God to have mercy on them and forgive them, and they'll be saved. Hallelujah. Now, they won't have reward that they should have had, and they won't have the place of authority in the kingdom that they should have, but they're not going to hell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they are saved and they're part of the family. That's the mercy of God. I'm saying it's it's not just what they did, but what they did last. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. At the end. And sometimes people think, well, you know, uh, I like the sound of that. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just going to party on until right before I leave. Yeah. Problem with that is you don't know when that is. Huh? And there's some 160,000 people will die before this 24-hour period we're in right now finishes. 160,000 worldwide. Uh, Almost every second, two people. And while I'm talking, you know, two more, two more, two more. And all of them were not old people. Hmm? How many of them, you know? Teenagers, people in their 20s and 30s and, and, you know, from car wrecks to disease to crime to, I mean, the list goes on that as they're laying there breathing their last, they, they never thought that morning when they got up, this is their last day on earth. They never imagined that. They're 25. They thought they had decades and decades. no. Especially without God and without His protection, you are not guaranteed tomorrow or even the rest of the day. And this world is a very dangerous place to be. Would you agree? So you know, what what do you mean? What's the solution? You need to be saved and know God and be ready to go at any moment. You need to be ready to go right now. If you're not, you're in danger. You're in seriously dangerous position. So uh, don't wait another moment. We'll pray with you right now. Yes, sir. Yes. Is that right? Yes. To receive the Lord. Sit out loud. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. And I acknowledge. And I, acknowledge. I need a Savior. I, need a savior. I can't save myself. Can't save That's, myself. Why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. Jesus, Jesus I receive you. I receive you. As Lord of my life and all you have done for me and I purpose to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you mean that, you need to go somewhere. You need to get baptized in water. You need to get you, find you a good church family that you can get in there and not only be fed, but where you can serve. You can get in there and help serve and help do things for the rest of the family. This is so important because this life that you're living right now, that we're living, it's about that long. It'll soon be over and all all that will last is what you did in God. All that will matter was obedience to His plan. In uh, Hebrews 3, he kept talking about being hardened, being hardened. Go with me again to 2 Peter. We've been looking at that. 2 Peter, the third chapter. 
What we see that happened to that first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage, they made mistakes. Man, they made a lot of mistakes. But that wasn't the end of them. And it wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have prevented them from going into the promised land. You know, the next generation that he brought their, their kids in, when, after they had grown up, he brought them in. You know that bunch didn't do everything perfect. And yet he still brought them in. But they were willing to change. Willing to change. Everybody say willing to change. Willing to change. That's the big deal. Or willing to repent. That's a big part of repentance is, ch- is changing. Uh, changing how you think about it. Changing what you believe about it. And changing what you do. How you live. What you do about it. A willingness to change, they were not. I mean, every time they saw they had missed it, and every time God had mercy and took care of them anyway, you don't see a bunch of repentance. You see people, you know, it's kind of like um, what people call foxhole religion. You know, somebody's, uh, like this depicts a soldier who's in a trench in the middle of, of you know, hot battle with bullets flying overhead and cry out to God, oh God, if you'll get me out of here, you know, I'll save you. And so he did. But then as soon as the battle's over, they forget him and don't even bring it up again and never go to church, never try to serve him. Well, that's what they did. Every time, you know, they didn't have water. So they'd gripe and complain and blame Moses and say, we're all going to die out here and just unbelief. And God would have mercy on them and spectacularly bring water. Now, we've heard about water out of the rock, but the other scripture says it was rivers of water. It would have to be because there's two million people here. And all their livestock. Think about all the livestock of all those people. The camels, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, the horses. How much water do they need? Rivers of water in the middle of the desert. No, no oasis now. This is desert. And uh, God told him, you know, to... Uh, smite the rock on one occasion and he did. What happened? Well, there was water deep in the aquifers and God just brought it right up. Brought it right up. Brought it right out and it flowed for the whole time they needed it. How many realize that uh, in that case it should have been some serious thanksgiving to God? Should it? And it should have been a repentance for all that unbelief talk that you were doing before God did it for you. And then after God has done, I mean, as soon as that happened, they got another situation. Uh, this, this thing happened with the water. Of course, they're in the desert. It happened, I don't know, a dozen times. But then next time, guess what they did? We're all going to die out here. It's your fault, Moses. We got to go back to Egypt. They never learned. They never repented. They never changed. So they ultimately wound up perishing in the desert. 
perishing. Now in this passage we've been reading 2 Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Is God faithful? Will He do what He said He would do? Can you count on it? You can count on it. And if it didn't happen, somebody says, well, it ain't happened in a thousand years. That don't mean it ain't going to happen. Well, it hadn't happened. You know, it, it'll, it'll, if God said it'll happen, it'll happen. And he's long-suffering, is what's going on, to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What we need to survive down here is God's protection. Without it, we are exposed. We are vulnerable. You do realize there's enough contaminants and enough virus and bacteria and everything in the air you breathe right now to kill you a thousand times over. There's enough uh, bad stuff in everything you eat, everything you drink. It's only your immune system, which is God's protection. Huh? You didn't make it. <laughs> and it is only God sparing you and protecting you. We really have no idea how much stuff God is neutralizing every minute of our life just to keep us from dying. Huh? Somebody says, well then, why do we see uh, some things happen? You see, oftentimes it's cases where there's a lack of God's protection. And that's when you get in trouble. And that's when it can go wrong in a hurry. Go with me to Ephesians, if you would. Said out loud, God's not willing. That any should perish, but that all should repent. How can you keep from being destroyed? Repent. Could they have been spared from dying in the wilderness? They could have, if they'd have been willing to not be so hard-headed, so stubborn, so unteachable, so unwilling to believe. If they'd have just repented, God could have He'd have forgiven them. How many times did he do it anyway? And he'd have got them in anyway. But in Ephesians, notice this. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 1. You have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. How many understand he's not talking about Jesus here? He's talking about the devil. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. 2 Corinthians 4.4 refers to Satan as the god of this world. He is that, that prince of the power of the air that this is talking about. And the spirit that he is influencing throughout the earth is one of defiance. Defiance against God, rebellion against God, the spirit of disobedience. Actually, that word that's translated unbelief there in, in Hebrews 3, 19, they couldn't enter in because of their unbelief. 
Uh, that, um, that word unbelief in chapter 3 and chapter 4, several places, it's also translated disobedience. They couldn't go in because of their disobedience. We, we referred a few classes ago to the phrase in Romans that's called the obedience of faith. Faith obeys God. Dis, uh, unbelief won't obey God. Unbelief refuses to obey God. And that's what happened with them, which is why they were destroyed. It's why they perished. Now, now look over in um, verse 12. He said, at that time, you were without Christ. Everybody say, without Christ, without. He said, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You'll hear uh, people try to say, and this, this is widespread, unbelievers as well as believers. It's something that unbelievers one moment will say, you know, they don't even believe in God. And then something bad happened and they'll turn around and try to say that, you know, they don't understand why God does all these things. Well, I thought th there is no God. And the people get confused about it. <laughs> they lose track of what they don't believe. And, <laughs> and you notice this, when people are in dire straits, they cry out, oh God, oh who? Yeah. Why, why are you hollering for him? You don't believe in him. You don't believe he exists, right? Uh, no, notice he said, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the worst condition you can be in in the world is without God. Because without him is without hope. Can you see this? Without God, you are hopeless. You, without God, things are not going to turn out okay for you. They're not going to end up well. You hear people say, well, you know, everything works out for the best. It does not. People say, well, that's what the scripture said. It does not say that. No. The Bible said that God causes everything to work out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That ain't everybody. Right? That's a very specific group of people. If you love God and you believe in Him and you follow in Him and you're willing to repent, He is going to make things turn out good for you. Right? It is going to go well. You're not without hope because you're not without God. But if you're without God, see, when people talk about, uh, you know, bad things happening in their life and they get mad at God. But the truth is, in so many of these cases, the, the reason, the biggest problem of the situation is God was not in any of it. He was not in it. He was not around it. The reason they're having so much trouble is they don't have God. They don't have His protection. They don't have His provision. They don't have it. So they are in the world on their own without God and hopeless. Can you see this? Can you see this? So uh, I know I'm being a little bit repetitious, but I need to be because this stuff is preached from pulpits that God is in destruction and God is in, you know, people being destroyed and people perishing. Uh, say it out loud. Second Peter, Peter. 3.9 says, says, God God is, not is not willing that any should perish. That any should perish. Now that's not the rest of the verse. What's the rest of it going to say? But 
that all should come to repentance. Is that right? That's what you do instead of being destroyed. What do you do? You repent. Go to Luke, please, the, uh, the 17th or 13th chapter. Luke 13, 1 says, There were present at that season some that told him, told Jesus of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, this was a, an awful thing. These people came to offer their sacrifices, which was animal sacrifice. They would slaughter the animal and spill the blood. And, and um, somehow or another, uh, Pilate was upset. He was the, the ruler there with these Galileans, and he slaughtered them while the animals were being slaughtered. They were slaughtered there. Um, and Jesus answered and said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Now this gets into what people think is an unanswerable question. Why do bad things happen? Hmm? And especially, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why do bad things happen? And much of the world says, well, we just don't know, but God does it, and we don't know why, but he must have his reasons. Well, what we're seeing here in the Scripture in the New Testament is that so many times God is nowhere around it. He's not in it. Isn't it something that people put God out of everything? They put him out of school. They put him out of home. They put him out of the government. Oh, no, we can't have any of that. And then something bad happens. It was God. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. You put him out. You remember? That's right. <laughs> it wasn't him. Why didn't he protect us? You put him out. Huh? When you pushed him out, you pushed out your protection. When you say we don't want you anymore, you got rid of your provision. Your deliverance, your protection, you're on your own. On your own, without God, in the world, is hopeless. No hope. Having no hope. Aren't you glad that's not you, child of God? Huh? I'm not on my own. In this dangerous, evil place, I want the full measure of the protection of God, don't you? I want his protection all around me. I want to stay in the bubble. Under the shadow. Is that right? Of the Almighty. Under his wings of protection. Well, you can't have that if you reject God. You don't have it. Say, I don't even believe in God. Well, what makes you think he owes you protection? You don't even believe in him. Ridiculous. Notice, keep reading. He said, do you think? Those Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they've suffered such things. I've heard Christians say things like that. A storm hit a city. They say, well, it's because that city was evil. And you look around and go, well, yeah, what about these cities? They're pretty bad. You know, how come I would say, I would think that one's worse than this one. Faulty reasoning. Huh? Well, what did Jesus say about it? Do you, he said, you think they were worse people? They were sinners above all? Because that happened to them? I tell you, no. What's the answer? Did it happen to that city because they were so bad? No. 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 Happened to that person because they were just a mean, a bad person? 
No, don't assume that. Jesus said no. Huh? What's the rest of what he said though? Look at this. No, no, but what? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What did they need to keep from perishing? They needed protection. Is that right? Well, what was keeping them from getting protection? No repentance. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Can you see this? Is it dangerous to be in sin and in defiance and rebellion and won't repent? Yeah, you can get out out from under the protection of God. Is that right? And then things that happen to other people that shouldn't have been happening to you, you can get caught up in it. Not because it was God's will, but because you wouldn't listen. Had no time for him. Doing your own thing. Forsaking him. Defying him. Rebelling against him. Which is what most of the world is doing. Most of the world is an absolute, under the leadership of the spirit of disobedience. Most of the world is in blatant rebellion against their creator. That's not surprising. So that's what the devil did. That's who he is. And so it's not surprising every day of every year, that's what he is trying to incite and infuse into people's mind and thinking is defiance, stubbornness, resisting. Can you see why the Lord kept saying, don't harden your heart? Huh? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. He said it so many times, you're thinking, Lord, I I think I got it. No. (laughs) If he keeps saying it, you better say, what does that mean, Lord? Show me what that means so I don't do that. What's What's the opposite of hardening your heart? Humbling yourself and repenting. Being teachable. Being correctable. Is that right? Being willing to change. Willing to submit. Willing to yield, willing to obey, and the devil hates it. Oh, he hates the word submission and obedience. But you know one reason why you ought to love it? Because it puts you in the center of the palm of God's hand, his protection, his power. Hallelujah. And nothing can touch you. Nothing can get to you. Woo. Somebody ought to say, let me repent right now. Let me, let me, huh? Let me get in there. I don't want to be without God and without hope. Keep reading it. He said, verse 4, that 18, that the tower of Siloam fell on. There was a tower that fell, a building that fell and killed 18 people. He said, do you think they were sinners above all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? So that's what people would say. They'd scratch their head and go, wonder why that happened. Man, that tower fell on them. Probably was, you know, sinners. They had it coming. Jesus said what? Verse 5, I tell you, no, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. If you don't have his protection, you're vulnerable too. Something like that could happen to you too because this world's a dangerous place. You don't, you know, they used to say, you know, the American Express, don't leave home without him. How about God? Is that right? God, don't leave home without Him. Right? What do you mean? Be in fellowship. If anything's wrong, get it right. Is that right? Repent and draw near so that He's got, you're not without Him rambling around in this dangerous world. You're in His fellowship. You're in His protection. You're in His keeping power. Can you say amen? Amen. 
Hallelujah. Well, that's it. Our time's up again today. Come back tomorrow. There's a lot more to see here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 